Mark chapter 1, 13 through 15. And he was there in the wilderness talking about Christ for 40 days, tempted of Satan and was with the wild beast. We never think about that because we're in Alabama. But Christ was, look at all the animals that were in the wilderness where Christ was for 40 days. I mean, there are lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. But, and it says, and the angels ministered unto him, but this is my text. Now, after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Verse 15. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We pray for your anointing on us as a people. God, touch my lips as you did, Jeremiah. Put your word in them. Lord, let Jesus Christ only be glorified today. We love you and we praise you. Amen. So I want to talk to you today about the kingdom of God. Jesus thought it was the most important thing he could preach, the kingdom. And I think that sometimes we get in church and we hear these churchy words. We, we sang today a song and I was smiling, he heading for that jubilee that is just ahead. Now, Brother Doug says amen. He's been a pastor forever. But most people in church, if you said, okay, we're going to give away a free Yeti cooler for anybody that can write down the definition of jubilee that is just ahead, 90% of people are failing the test. Even when they're saying amen, they don't even understand what it means. When you understand what it means, you say amen when you hear it because it all of a sudden is not a churchy word anymore and you understand what the year of Jubilee was and now we're under a new covenant that every day can be Jubilee and in the presence of Christ is what it said. There's going to be ultimate just Jubilee. It's going to be an overflowing of freedom, joy, of passion. It was where they freed their, the Jewish people from being slaves. We get all that. So you get what I'm saying? We use all these churchy words. Today I want to talk to you about another kind of churchy phrase, the kingdom of God. We, it's there. What did Jesus preach? The good news, gospel of the kingdom of God. Well, are you in the kingdom of God? Then what comes with it? What does it mean, the kingdom of God? And I want to break it down for you in the simplest way. That's how God has to talk to me. And I want us to leave. And leave now, hopefully, when you sing about the jubilee that is just ahead, it means more than we're just going to see Jesus. You understand, man, it's a time of freedom. It's a time of this. And also, I want you to leave here with one thing about the kingdom of God is that you're in it and you're expected to proclaim it. Amen? All right, look at my first point. Go to Romans 14, 17 through 19. I love scriptures like this. What is the kingdom of God? Right here. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that, ha that is, has the, that, take two. He that in these things serves Christ. He that in these things serves Christ, is acceptable to God and approved by men. Do you know how many people are looking to, for the approval of men and they don't even realize that in the kingdom of God you're acceptable to God? If you're in the kingdom, and it'll approve, you'll be approved by men. Right. Go back to the verse 17, please. 
It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, let me ask you a question. You looking around, coming to church all the time, do you see most believers have righteousness, peace, and joy? And now you can't separate it and say joy. I know it's scary nowadays to use this, but it says joy in the Holy Ghost. He's not scary. He's not weird. He's actually the one that will give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. He's the third member of the Trinity that's with us today. You can't separate that. But, but I'm serious. So I, I was thinking about this. If we don't understand that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, then none of the members are going to have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. They're going to live life saying, I'm a believer, but they're not going to have any of those. And listen, everything in the Bible is for a purpose. There is a divine order on these things. And if you you got to start with righteousness, and then you'll get peace, and I'll go through that. And then the joy of the Holy Ghost comes. I'm scared that a lot of us are stuck on the righteousness part. You should have felt the atmosphere tense up when I said righteousness, because everybody immediately started to think where they fall then you don't have an understanding of righteousness. I want to show it to you. Let's just do 2 Corinthians 5.21 first, JT. For he, Christ, has made him, I mean God has made him, Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God, not through our works, but in him. Amen? Amen? Now I want to read you. This is why I told you this is not what I'm used to. Romans 10. I'm going to read 11 verses. And it's going to be in the, in a, the modern English version because the King James is trippy to read. It's got a lot of those Taoists and these and, and you'll miss it. So I'm going to break it down. 11 verses. I think we as a people that can watch a football game for three hours can hold on to 11 verses. Say with me, okay? Verse 1. Brothers. He's talking to the church. My heart's desire and prayer to God of Israel is that they may be saved. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Does that not sound like the church today? Verse 3. For being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, they did not submit to the righteousness of God. Does, I mean, he's talking about Israel who doesn't believe Christ came. That's how, you could put that on the church. I fit that a lot of times in my life. They want to put their own righteous conduct above the righteousness that's in Christ. And if that don't make sense, I promise I'll bring it around to hope with the help of the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. Christ is the end of the law. Everybody say amen. amen. I didn't have to kill a red heifer today. And let me tell you something. You don't think there was condemnation under the law? Because every time they covered that mercy seat with the blood of the cow, they understood it was just covered. It wasn't forgiven. It was just a covering. We're not covering it anymore. We can be forgiven. For everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is based on the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is based on faith says, does not say in your heart, who will ascend into the heavens? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? 
The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the word of faith that we preach. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. We all know this, right? And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Now verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto right... With your heart you believe to righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be ashamed. The King James says, never be ashamed. Amen? So what does all that mean? I'm glad you asked, Brother Hank. It means this, that you walk around understanding that you're in the kingdom of God. You've got to understand it before you can proclaim it to see people get saved. You've got to understand that you cannot earn or set up a list or rules of righteousness. And listen, I hear all the people saying all the time, the church is in darkness. The church is falling away from God. The church has lost its passion. No, I believe with all my heart, the church has been condemned to a place where they are no longer effective in the kingdom of God because they've established their own standard for holiness. They've established their own. Well, if I didn't pray like this or I didn't do this, we establish our own code. Let me tell you how just everyday life applies. When I mess up and fail God, how long does it take me to rebound? If it's a little sin, maybe a day I feel like he's mad at me. If it's a big sin and I really told that driver beside me off, might be two or three days because I've worked out my own righteous system I was standing here a couple weeks ago we've had I I was really hoping I didn't have to preach today because the last couple of weeks God started moving in the service and I was like Lord I'm ready not to preach I'm ready just to get in the river of you and it didn't happen I was like oh but this is what happens to us some of you walked in today and I've been there I'm I still fight it sometimes And you looked at your last week and you decided if you were righteous enough to experience the blessings of the kingdom of God or not. It's there. It's in the church. They don't believe that the righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5.21, He was made our righteousness. He took that punishment. And I was standing there, back to my story, I was standing there And the Lord spoke to me so clear before it happened. And he said to me, Jonathan, I love to forgive you. And I was like, why? What kind of love is that? We, We have this idea of God who thinks he's just like barely tolerating us. Like, oh my goodness, you've lost your temper again. Oh my goodness. You let something that small get your victory? That's how we think God is looking at us. And you say, well, when you preach this gospel, it's going to let people think they can just live anyway. No, this gospel is the kingdom of God, and they don't live in the fear of their father, but they understand, even if I fail him today, he is there ready to forgive, willing to forgive. He delights in showing mercy. He loves it. He loves to take you and your brokenness and say, the punishment was paid. He's the advocate on the right hand. We know the scriptures, but we don't live them. I have an advocate when I don't act right. I have an advocate when I post that on social media and I shouldn't have. 
Just at least delete it. When you tell, don't just say you're sorry and leave it. Amen. That's good to teach or don't like it or not. You can never get to peace if you're always trying to get the Father's approval. We're still stuck in righteousness. We've established Romans 10, our own code. Well, I've prayed this week. I've done pretty good this week. Now I'm sure God can bless me. And we're telling sinners that. Why would they want to serve that God? Yeah, it's real quiet now. We've had one baptism service in what, six months? Is it because Papa don't like baptism services? I think we know he loves baptism services. How in the world can we tell people about the kingdom of God when we ourselves don't understand it? We've got our code. We've got our rules. You keep the rules when you understand it's him. You relax. It leads to peace. When I put, um, I have peace because I no longer feel like I have to perform. Does God know today that I'm going to say stuff that makes probably a lot of you unhappy and mad eventually over the next 10 years probably? Is he going to forgive me and make me every year better and better and better? Yes, I trust the process. And, you know, I don't use football analogies a lot, but when you've got champions, you kind of listen to them. Nick Saban says, trust the process. There's a reason. If you'll trust this biblical process you will see fruit in your life. All right? Have we covered righteousness? Don't, don't, listen, I don't care how long you've been serving God, you're still human, and you're still going to try to earn the righteousness of God sometimes. Why do you think I deal with students and college people so much about what I call daddy issues? Because if they didn't feel like their dad approved them when they were young, it spills over into their Christian walk with God. They think their heavenly father is never going to be pleased. And he was completely pleased at Calvary. It pleased the Lord, the Bible says, to bruise him. Why? Because it brought us close. He's never going to just love me more or less. He's going to love me all the way. And he proved it to me. And we hear this, but we've got to get this. We've got to tell the world, I don't care if you're on drugs. I don't care what you've done. The price for your sin has been paid. And there's freedom. And you can walk in the love and peace and joy. And you don't have to be bound by rules and regulations. You can love him. And I know, listen, if I heard this sermon a couple months ago, Brother Dennis, I'd be like, that guy is preaching heresy. Because after all, you can't just willingly sin and get to heaven. If you start to understand that the price was paid, you don't want to sin. If you're not scared of him anymore, and you know you're accepted because of Christ... All of a sudden, your relationship. Why would you talk to a father that was mad at you? Some of you are like, Lord, help me to pray more. No, no, no. You don't need to help you to pray more. You need to understand that it's his righteousness. You just need to understand you're accepted. You need to understand tomorrow when you wake up and you grumble about your boss or kick the coffee pot or whatever you want to do, that he's still accepting you. Prove it. I'm glad you told me to. 
Peter's shadow walked past sick people and healed them. And he had racism in his heart. Why? Because Paul had to stand him up in front of everybody and say, you eat with the Jews, the elite Jews, when, and when the Gentiles come around, you're eating with them, but if the elite Jews come around, you all of a sudden don't want to be seen with the Gentiles. His shadow had already been healing people. What did that tell me? See, in our code of conduct, until he dealt with everything he had, God can't use you to heal people until you get perfect. Well, the Bible doesn't teach me that. It teaches me that Peter was fully aware that he had a problem, temper and all, cutting people's ear off. And you know, I heard Caleb Gordon say the other day, what guy goes to cut somebody's ear off? He was aiming for his neck. He was going to kill him. You know, we read that, oh, he just wanted to whack his... No, he was going for his head. He ducked. And it said, Whoo! So he was going to kill somebody. So God takes this guy and starts to break him down. He didn't even get it right years into it. God was still using him. God was still approving him. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. He was approved and accepted. Did he get it right at the end of his life? Go read First and Second Peter. Peter the elder. Peter the older. You think that was racism in his heart? No way. He was full of the love of God. He understood his first opening sentence is, I've been made righteous by him. The same Peter, by the way, earlier, rewinding his life, all of a sudden the lame man gets healed of the temple beautiful. He stands and says what? Looking on us like it's by our righteousness that this man has been made whole. He understood it. Today, enjoy God. Amen. Enjoy him. You might not have done right. Enjoy him anyway. Ask him to forgive you. Accept his love and his forgiveness. Listen, if you're married, you're only going to fight big on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Just get ready. The devil's going to walk into your house and every little thing's going to annoy you. And he's going to try to stir you up before church. And a lot of times, from, I sit over there and I'm like, I shouldn't even be worshiping. Because I told Bethany we were leaving 10 minutes ago, and I asked her 400 times, how long does it take to get ready? <laughs> now, I know y'all don't live like that, and your marriages are perfect, okay? I'm just talking about normal world. And so I sit here for a while like, man, she's the best, and I didn't even treat her that way today. It, and we always get it. We have an awesome marriage because we never go to bed angry. Now, we might have to knock down drag out a few times to get there. But at the end of the day, it's all out. It don't come back up years later or months later. It's a beautiful thing you should put in your marriage. Get it out. And, and humble yourself. Say, I'm sorry. Well, it wasn't even my fault. Yes, it was. You reacted wrong. Amen. You're a soft answer turned away wrath. So if there was wrath, that means you had fierce words that stirred up anger. Ooh, that ain't in the notes. And boy, it don't feel... You should feel what I felt on that. So you come in, you've already argued, where's this and where's that? What'd you do with my jacket woman and what, blah, blah, blah. And you come into church and it's real. And yet you're all condemned and beat down. I think about Jessica Barry and Dylan Chris and all you guys have beautiful children. You got to get up extra early and do all, and you're tired. Listen, we mess up a lot when we're tired. Amen. Good nights of sleep sometimes 
aren't there, but it helps. Some of you are like, man, he's not even to peace yet. It's because if you don't get, why go to peace if we don't get it? So when I'm in the service and I haven't done right by everything, sometimes you just have to accept his righteousness and say, change me. Just change me. Make me like Christ. It's a process. Peace. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Be careful, or the Bible says anxious, that word's anxious, or careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication with thanksgiving. Everybody say with me, thanksgiving. thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And now this is everybody's favorite part, and they don't want that verse before that requires them to pray. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now it doesn't stop there. And then he does what all of us good preachers do. He says, finally, and he goes on for another hour. <laughs> finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, just, pure, things are lovely, what things are good report, any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Do not separate six, seven, and eight. They all go together. So the first thing you got to do is get that I am accepted in the beloved. God has approved me because of Christ. I don't have to pay any penance. I don't have to go do any Hail Marys. I don't have to do any of that. I can come boldly to the throne of grace to find my help because he loves me. And now the second thing I got to do is if I believe the kingdom and the world needs this one, that I got a peace. There is peace that passes understanding. I can go to God and say, I need guidance. But see, I want you to see something. Put verse 6 back up and then you can take it down. Don't be anxious for anything but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. And I want you to get that. We're going to go to thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. You can put it down now. So what happens to us is we don't believe we're accepted. So why in the world would we pray to a God that's mad at us? That Why would he want to get involved in my little detail? Why would he want to help me with my piano, I mean my, my recital? Why would he want to get Liz McCullough? Why would he want to get involved in that? You could think that way. Why would God be interested in getting in my every... Why would I want to bother God who's already mad at me because he knows how I live and he knows who I am? You see why there's no peace? Because the peace that passes understanding, you have to pray for it. You have to tell your Father that loves you, that accepts you and righteous. The world needs to hear. There is a covering. There is a Father that wants to talk to you and lead you and guide you. That's why Jesus preached the kingdom of God. You can have peace in this world. It doesn't matter. People, I've heard people say, well, Trump's bombing everybody. It's going to stir up a hornet's nest, and they're going to fire back and all that. Listen, you can have peace. God knows what he's doing. They fired, they fired rockets in the 40s in Israel, and they said, wow, something just grabbed them and slung them to the ground. I know what that something was. It's called an angel. They've been fighting for Israel for, since the beginning. And guess what? Those same angels encamp around you because of what Christ did. Get peace. Understand you're accepted. I don't even understand what it looks like. Maybe your situation's that bad. You can have peace that passes your own brain. It doesn't make sense that I should have peace here. We always love those little felt board Bible stories. But these guys were real men. You don't think that being thrown in a den of hungry lions 
which God went ahead and proved later that they were hungry. Because you couldn't say, whoa, well, they had already eaten. Well, how come all the bad dudes that set up Daniel got thrown in there and got eaten? Because they were hungry. Amen. He had a peace that, hey, the same peace that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had, said, hey, even if, there's a great song out right now that says, even if you don't. And they said, even if God doesn't deliver us from the fiery furnace, we're still not bowing, and we've got our peace that we'll be with Him if we die. Now, if that's Old Testament peace, what should we have in this world? Amen. Now, here's what I love to do to anybody, including myself, when I hear something. I look back over the last two weeks, and I want you to do that. And I want you to see where your peace is. It'll tell you where you are with righteousness. Did you trust? Did you have a peace that surpasses your own understanding? Did it keep your heart and mind? Did it keep you on the things whatsoever things are good? You know why it says that? You know why a lot of us don't have peace? It's performance based, obviously. But we always are thinking about what we don't have. And we don't think about what we do have. We, all, we always want to think about what God hasn't done. But we don't want to ever think about what God has done. How did David beat Goliath? He, he got something in him that said, he started thinking on the good things. I remember a bear, Saul. The king was discouraging him. Hey, you know this is a huge giant. You're going to need armor. He was like, no, no, no. You don't understand. There was a bear one time that came at me. I remember the bear. Not the bear. I remember the God that delivers from the bear. Some of you are being attacked by Satan, the lion. You need to remember the last time the devil attacked you, you walked through it. And this time the devil attacks you you're gonna walk through it get your mind thinking about what God has done and there'll be a great peace remember when he parted the sea that you're not you're way better than Israel then you've been bought with the precious blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ I remember the bear I remember the line I remember when the devil came at my family I remember amen I remember when he attacked my mind Amen. Make up your mind you're going to serve God. And I think we've fed you this candy that you're just going to come to church and everything's going to be just luxurious and happy and easy and comfortable. Now, there's a bunch of churches I can send you to where you'll hear that. That's not life. Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. Sometimes I read that and I'm like, man, I wish that wasn't there. <laughs> It's not always easy. Usually I found out when new couples get saved or people get saved and they want to start serving God, literally everything comes at them. And they're like, this is what serving God is? No, you just stick it out. And every time you walk through it, you look back and say, oh, man, I was so worried. And I didn't even realize all God did was took this top hand off. And he was just walking me like this. And the devil thought he was hitting me and going to knock me down. But he had me just like this right here all the long. And then there's times where he hides us away. But then there's times where he says, have you considered my servant? I'm going to prove to my servant that no matter what happens, nothing can separate you from the love of God. I don't believe that scripture until I walk through some stuff. 
All of a sudden, that scripture becomes real. I've tested it. I've even strayed from him. I've willingly walked out of his hand and found out when I came back, he hasn't changed. And I fell more in love with him at that point. I'm not preaching that it's always going to work that way. You get it. There's an end time and there's a, the end. But I am preaching to you that we got to have peace because we just got to. And, and I want to show you that about Thanksgiving and then Colossians 3, 14 and 15. It's not even but 1130. Give me 10 more minutes. She said not to say that. I'm sorry. Above all these things, put on love. Why can, why can we not get that? Why, forget that. Why can't I get that? I was upset this week at something. I was upset with something last night. I was talking to Bethany. And I got in my office this morning to pray, and the Lord was like, just love them. Let your love just, let my love just flow. And I began to pray in the Spirit this morning, and I began to feel a love for them. And I realized at that point, there's nothing they can do because I love them. They can offend me because it, is, it has put on perfectness on me. Now, I'm not telling, back to righteousness. <laughs> there might be a season where that love drops <laughs> and I got to remember that it's his righteousness, okay? But I'm telling you, why can't we get that? That's not even my text. And I'm, I want to read the next verse. But you want to be perfect? Get love on. It covers a multitude of sin. I've heard so many preachers preach that, talking about the love of God, and they're so wrong. God's love doesn't cover just a multitude of sin. God's love covered all sin. So what is it talking about? Go read. It means that if you get close to me, there are going to be times where you see me as the unrighteousness that I really am. And it means that love covers and says, but God's working on him. As a church gets close together, we, the devil starts saying, well, I can't believe they do this, and I can't believe that. Exactly. But I can't believe you've done this and this and this. It's the righteousness. See how it works with everything? It's his righteousness. And then it's his love. Amen? Put it together. Well, I can't believe. someone. You, every time you say that out loud, you should just go think back your last month. Because, see, you're, you're categorizing sin. But that time where you were watching your TV show and he told you somebody needed prayer and you neglected it, see, that's not a big sin to you. But if we're going to categorize it, Jesus was like, hey, if you hate somebody without a cause, you're a murderer. Why is he showing us that? Because he's saying there's no categories. It's sin. Him to know to do good and not do it, to him it is sin. So the next time you start looking at what people do, just start looking at what you don't do. When's the last time that somebody missed church that you sent them a card and not the church? Ow. See, you know what that does? That'll cut you out from judging people. So when you look at what they do, the next time just stop and say, what have I not done? And you'll sit there for a while and you'll realize that I'm just going to leave it alone and love. It's the conclusion you'll come to quick. Amen. Got quiet, but I like that. Verse 15. And this, look at this. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to that which also you are called in one body and be thankful. 
So twice now, peace and thankfulness is together. So I've got, just to throw this out there, and listen, joy's really quick, so you guys don't, don't get scared. Put that down if you don't mind. So when you get the peace of God, maybe it's because we're not thankful for what we have is why we don't have peace. Maybe sometimes we start looking at all these things we want or all these, even it might even be spiritually. Maybe we start looking at all the things that we should have that we don't instead of just thanking God, you've got me to this point and I'm thanking you that you're going to perfect me. I, I believe it. I'm confident in this that you that began a good work in me, you will perform it. Philippians 1.6, one of my favorite. I'm thankful that you're performing it even when I don't even look like it. I'm still thankful that you're working on me. I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for my cars. Listen, I understood thankfulness as a young age. I, there would be times when I was 10 and 11, I would lay on my bed and say, I want the presence of God. I didn't even know I had the wrong everything, but God still honored it. I would lay on my bed and begin to thank God, and I understood His presence always came. I didn't even understand the Bible. I didn't even understand enter His gates of thanksgiving. I didn't even get that scripture, okay? But I knew this, Brother Hank. If I started saying, and thank you God for parents thank you God for a house I thank you for food I thank you for the church I thank you for my friends at school I just thank you that you've given me breath and as a kid I'd begin to thank him and every single time the presence of God would come in my room and I, under, I didn't even get how the formula worked but I knew it worked I knew that if I would thank him and so once again let's take it a survey in the last two weeks how much have you griped and how much are you thankful there's your peace. There's my peace. You know, I try to talk to Andrew and Anna a lot. I cannot imagine your heart and your calling to be somewhere and you're stuck in Mount Olive. When I have to remind them is you got to be thankful for now. You got to be thankful for now. You got to be in the now, be in the now, be in the now. If you'll be in the now and you'll be thankful for the now, his steps of the righteous are ordered. He'll get you there. Just be thankful. Another thing I try to tell them, and I'll tell you too, is that if you're not happy with who you are now, by the way, you've got to take you to the promotion. So you, you thought that the promotion was going to bring you happiness and joy and peace, or you thought the next job or the next thing, that's a lie. Because guess what? you got to go with you there. If you're not happy now, well, if I could just get this. You hear people say that all the time. If I could just achieve this, if I could just be a supervisor, if I could just be this, it ain't going to work. You're going to be an unhappy supervisor just like you're an unhappy grunt worker. Amen. If I could just have this. So I tell Andrew and Anna, don't be thinking, if I could just get to Honduras, if I could just get, trust me, there's plenty of devils in Honduras too, ready to bother you. Be happy now. Walk it out now. Enjoy now. Amen. He made all things for our enjoyment in moderation. But be happy now. Sometimes you just got to go to God and say, I am not happy with me. Fix me. It's not anything else that I've blamed it on. The truth is, God, I'm not happy with who I am. And then he'll begin to do what great fathers do. He'll begin to talk to you. 
He won't beat you. If he did, I wouldn't be here. He will correct you and instruct you in love. He will speak to you and say, hey, if you want to get happy, you have to get with me. So I need you to change your schedule. Just I don't need five hours while you're working all the time. I just need you to give me your drive in. And instead of listening to talk radio, which is going to make you want to headbutt a cow, just put on some worship music and just get your mind on Thanksgiving. Every time your work gets bad, maybe some people like Dad have cake jobs, but the rest of us, your job gets bad. Start thanking Him. Because there's people that don't have a job. I'm, t- I'm serious. I'm not telling you that this right here is easy. <laughs> you better understand me. But I am telling you that if you'll eat, the f- you'll do this, the fruit of it will be sweet. Amen. Back to no baptisms. If you're always gropping at work about how terrible everything is, oh, hey, come to my church. No. <laughs> I don't want to be like you. Exactly. See, practical Christianity wins every time. No, I've got, I've got peace. What do you think about all the new changes? Hey, I'm just thankful I got a job. You'll be amazed how it disbands people. I'm just so glad I have this job. Listen, I've had to say that before. And on the inside of my heart, I'm thinking, I hate this job. <laughs> it's summertime. There are going to be people that pull money from places money don't belong. And it's going to be sweaty. And I'm going to have to touch it. And you can, you're not even thinking about me and my poor job. I'm going to be touching sweaty money coming from everywhere. I'm like, that's what God made a purse for. Just put it in your purse, Lord. You know, I'm like, Germex in my face, in my hands. And I'm thinking to myself, I hate my job. What do you think about these changes? I'm just thankful I got it. Listen, if you'll start doing, I promise you, those that are righteous do righteous. I didn't even go into that because that's another lesson, right? Start doing it. We good with that? Last one, joy, and I'm done. And you know all these. But 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, and 6, two verses, and I'll close. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but in power and in the Holy Ghost. My prayer today is that I always pray that when you guys leave this church and I've preached, that the very words of God ring in your heart throughout the week. That's the sign of power, that the word keeps just with you. You can eat on it for a while. And in much assurance, and I want to assure you today, you're in his righteousness. As you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Look at this. And you became followers of us in the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost. I love that scripture for one reason. I can be in the middle of affliction and have joy in the Holy Ghost. The world cannot duplicate that. 
Everybody in here knows the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's probably somewhere in your house, on a refrigerator magnet, on socks, something. And you've got the joy is our strength. Well, if you don't understand first the righteousness, that you're completely accepted in Christ because because of Christ in God, and then you have the peace that you're so like, no matter what comes my way, my Father's got me, and I'm going to be thankful. When you get to that place, now you can work for the kingdom. Now the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. Now people see your life and say, I want that. So Jesus preached the kingdom and he preached the gospel, the good news that now you're not under the law. And he preached it and what happened? People got saved because they saw what he was preaching was the kingdom. Everybody that's been born of a woman wants the kingdom of God. They were made by him. They were made for him. They don't want some religious Pharisee doctrine. Listen, I lived my whole life thinking I had to hold on to that thing tight as I could. And every day God was mad at me. He needed to forgive give me and listen I believe in telling God I'm sorry I believe in repenting but let me tell you you don't have to live in such a fear all the time of your father I'm thankful I got to live with him for a while because even if he says he messes up which I don't believe he does I don't see him coming down here just headbutting the thing saying God I'll do whatever him and the father have a relationship I've seen it and he'll, you ever say you're sorry to God? Okay. That's right. <laughs> Trying to reach that Jedi status. I heard him praying one time in his room, and he said, God, forgive me for not loving you like you deserve to be loved. But he didn't stop there. He said, help me love you like you deserve to be loved. See, if God showed me I didn't love him the right way, I would be like, oh, God. I'm so sorry. I'm the man. I'm so sorry. I'd been at the altar for days. I'd have been trying to earn it. I'll, I'll read more. I'll pray more. You say, man, that sounds a little overboard. Yeah, a lot of us live that way, even though we don't talk that way. And he just has to his father in prayer, I don't love, help me to love you like you deserve to be loved. What a prayer. I'll tell my kids that, and I hope they tell their kids that. That's what kind of man your grandfather was, your great-grandfather was. He understood God, and it was a father, and they walked it out together. And that's why he can lead people to the Lord at Walmart, where the rest of us, when we go to Walmart, how could I witness God's mad at me? I don't have peace in my life. I'm all stirred up about something, and there's sure no joy. And we're going, God, help us to be better witnesses. He's like, wow, you got to start at the beginning. you got to understand that you're approved. you got to understand it's my righteousness. And all of a sudden, the gospel of the kingdom comes out. Let me tell you about a Jesus that knows everything about you, but will change you forever. Everything that you groan on the inside late at night about your life as a sinner, you can tell them, hey, there's a Jesus that there's no guilt that looks and says at the woman called in adultery, where are your accusers? Oh, where are they? I don't find any. Neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. There's the righteous part. Amen? I'm just, I'm blown away 
by righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I promise you this, I told the Lord this in my office. If I got to preach this in three weeks from today, it would be way better because I'd even get it more. I feel like I'm on the very beginning. You know what I'm saying? That's why I didn't want to preach this today because I don't feel like I've got it. I feel like I'm trying to walk through it. So I'm going to try to walk it through and let's try to walk it through as a church. I want to see the kingdom of God in this house more than Sunday morning. I want to see the kingdom of God in everybody's hearts out there. I want to see that that evangel church has the kingdom of God. They have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'll say this last thing. You know, if, listen. It's so easy to get caught up going to a church for a long time that you see all the things that you want to change. Just going to hold that right there. Start thanking God for what we have. Amen. Start thinking, listen, look at all the married couples that came up through here and they're going to have godly relationships, godly marriages. They're not going to end shipwrecked. Start there. I thank you, God, that you took a group of people and brought them up in your house. Godly, Crystal walked in today pregnant and I was like, look at, look at that. It's amazing. Both, actually. <laughs> came up through. Thank you, God, for godly. Thank you for what you've done. Look at all the marriages that are ending in shipwreck. Thank you, God, for what you're doing here, and you're keeping us. Amen? Thank you for all these little running kids that I'm so thankful I don't have to be back there. I felt so bad for Adam. I don't know if you've been around Adam much. He's one of the hungriest guys I've ever met for God. Just start going to lunch with him. He's, he's one of those Christians that he actually exposes how non-spiritual that we are. Because he talks so spiritual. Sometimes you're like, is he the real deal? Oh, he's the real deal. He wants God. He really does. So the last few Sunday mornings, God's been blowing the doors off this place. And he's back there. And I was like, listen. He's like, man, why? And I'm like, trust me, it's coming, man. What you're doing back there, your crown is going to be so monstrous. You might as well pull it with a wheelbarrow. And some of us that are enjoying this great service, you don't even realize we needed it so we could have one the size of a pinky finger. Just try, Lord, let me make it. Give me that charge. So, you know, remember them. Be thankful. I remember when we got here, Brother Jim, there wasn't no little children running around. I'm thankful for it. Amen.